Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Meerkat Musings. Welcome back to the Meerkat Musings podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka Daftamone. And as usual, I shall be running through uh, the events of the past few weeks, few days, general rambles to partner some recent blog posts, chatting about the things that have been going on in the world of Meerkat Musings over the past uh, past few weeks since my, my last podcast. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it at the time. I actually can't remember when my last podcast was, so forgive me if there's some recapping going on here. I had my first jab, as far as vaccinations are concerned. I've had my first one, so that's good. I'm halfway there. As someone put it on Twitter, actually, their shields are at 50%, uh, so that's one way of looking at it, I guess. And speaking of Twitter, actually, there's been a couple of interesting and intriguing discussions that I have kind of been a part of uh, surrounding, I guess you could say, reasonable responses to certain stimuli. I don't know the whole background behind this. All I know is uh, one of my Twitter friends I got into an argument with someone and that someone then basically kind of suggested that they should physically meet uh, to uh, quote, discuss, unquote, matters uh, in terms of what was said. And just to me, the gist of it all is, I mean, there is actually a, a blog post I've done about this and that blog post will link you to my part of the Twitter discussion at least. My question mark is, okay, on social media, it's very easy to get into an argument. It's almost, for some people, a pastime, I dare say. And it's very easy for things to get misinterpreted and get very heated very quickly and very easily. Anyone that spent any amount of time on social media will be very much aware of this. But... It's almost to a degree something that I think most people will accept there is a limit, there is levels of being reasonable, levels of being unreasonable, and directly calling someone out for a physical face-to-face about stuff said on Twitter, and then going into the mother of all rants about it when that person does not take up your offer doesn't look particularly rational. So to recap, we have someone getting seemingly so wowed up by this uh, this Twitter exchange. This exchange in which they were just as rude as, as the other party, if not more so, in fact, in many ways, that they felt the need to, to basically kind of offer up a, a face-to-face. And very quickly, the, this guy claimed that the face-to-face was purely to talk it through like men. What does that even mean? Can you not have a manly discussion through other means? I mean, it, it, it sounds very much like wanting to escalate things needlessly 
and presumably doing that because they needed to boost their own ego somehow. Uh, perhaps it's their way of making themselves seem brave by by offering up a manly discussion or to discuss things like men, which apparently can only be done face-to-face and seems to fall into some rather dubious definitions of masculinity. So very curious behaviour indeed. Uh, I, I, I got involved in the discussion to kind of press the question as to why a face-to-face was necessary, why it was a good idea, how it could possibly be safe for a number of reasons, not least of all, of course, the pandemic we're currently in uh, rather discourages needless travel. What's the suggestion here from this guy that we, uh, that we, someone or whoever travels halfway across London, travels from another town to London, travels anywhere in the country to anywhere else in the country for the sake of what? A Twitter conversation that got a bit heated? It doesn't seem particularly smart in the middle of a pandemic, nor is it practical in most circumstances anyway. I mean, we're talking potentially a fair bit of cost and expense. I mean, who's going to front that? Do you meet in the middle somewhere? Well, then you're both paying out when you don't need to. What guarantee is there of safety? If I were in my friend's shoes and I'd said, okay, let's meet up somewhere, how do I know there wouldn't be five or six blokes waiting for me to beat me up, to beat me into a bloody pulp. How do I know I wouldn't be confronted by someone that's armed in some way with a knife or or worse or who knows what? How do I know that I would actually be safe? It's a pointless exercise. It's a, a massive overreaction, which seems to be a bit of a pattern from this particular guy if I'm reading the situation right. And who knows, I might be completely wrong, but it just all looks to me to be a very big overreaction to some rather minor stimuli at the end of the day. And I think the overreaction is deliberate. I think it's a display of chest-thumping bravado to, I don't know, to, to preen, to try and make themselves feel, as I say, more more manly, more intense, very strange behaviour, and I'm, I'm struggling to wrap my head around it, I really am. But, there you go, I mean, that's that's the nature of these discussions for you. I myself, again, if I'm treading over ground from the previous podcast, forgive me, but I myself did have someone express a desire to beat me up and leave me in a ditch because of conversations we were having over... Uh, sort of gun control laws in America and basically because they were losing the the argument they resorted to issuing a threat or a desire at least to do me physical harm and then they tried to back away from that even though they'd already put that comment out there so not only did they issue the threat they then lied about it as well Uh, they couldn't even have the courage to actually own their own words which I thought was rather amusing so there's a lot about this which I just find to be strange. I mean, irrespective of what provocation you feel you've had to express that kind of sentiment and to kind of have to stroke your own ego quite massively in many respects like that, 
doesn't really bode very well, or at least it doesn't bode very well, in my opinion, anyway. But such is the nature of, of conversations on the internet. They can be misinterpreted. People can get, as I say, very heated very quickly. It's very easy to misinterpret what someone has said when you don't have visual or audio cues to go by. I think we've all perhaps been a bit guilty of of taking things the wrong way when we've been discussing things online. Uh, same thing, of course, applies to, to email and text exchanges. When it's not visual and when it's not verbal, I, I think perhaps a few things get lost in translation. And then, of course, also, I think some people just are almost spoiling for a confrontation and they happen to know that social media and the internet is the easiest way in which to have a confrontation these days. Uh, so that tends to happen quite a lot for that reason. Social media is quite toxic, let's not uh, deny that to ourselves. There is a lot of good to it and to the people on it, but we have to acknowledge reality that there is a lot about social media which is painfully flawed, the way in which bullying can run quite rampant on social media really, really needs to be addressed. And unfortunately, I don't think it's any closer to being addressed now than it has been over the past few years. There isn't really the will upon social media companies to tackle it because it could potentially put a dent in their money, I think, in their income to introduce measures that restrict what people can and can't say. And I don't want to necessarily cause restrict what people can say because I do believe in freedom of speech. That is a very important thing to me. But I think when you move from freedom of speech to bullying and harassing people, you kind of demonstrate you can't be trusted with your freedom of speech. As I have said on many occasions, with freedom of speech comes a responsibility to use it wisely. It is not open season to be nasty and vicious to everyone, to harass people, to bully people. If you're not capable of, of being a reasonable person, then why should you have those privileges to use social media platforms and things like that? And also it's worth pointing out that things like Twitter and that kind of thing Ultimately, Twitter is a private business, a private company. They can expel people from their platform as and when they want. It doesn't mean your freedom of speech has been dented because you can turn to various other avenues. If you wanted to, you can start your own website these days. It's very easily done. Loads of people have done it. I've done it uh, in order to air your views. And you can share that website across various platforms as well. So you can have your freedom of speech. You can write to your local MP, your newspapers, your TV channels. Uh, you can request to go on the radio. You can do all kinds of things to maintain your freedom of speech, even if a social media outlet decides to, to block you or ban you because of your behavior. And there's the key thing. It's because of your behavior. If you don't take stock of how you're behaving and how you're acting, then there will be consequences as there should be. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequences when you abuse your freedom of speech, which I think far too many people do not understand. So, yeah, I guess that kind of summarizes my, uh, my recent social media uh, experiences. And beyond that, I've also had some rather 
uh, robust discussions lately on the uh, on the subject of well, I guess you could say healthcare once again and other things about what governments are and are not responsible for. That was a discussion that I had on my website, Meerkat Musings, against a um, familiar face, a spying partner, actually of quite a few years now, uh, David of Theology Archaeology, made some comments and I replied and I dare say, as ever, in my view at least, he hasn't understood the arguments raised. He hasn't been able to rebuke the arguments raised successfully. And I don't think that he's made his points in a particularly straightforward way. In fact, I'm not even sure what his points are, because he keeps saying, I've missed the point, but he doesn't make his points very, very clear. He says one thing, I reply, and he then says, I've missed the point. Well, I can only reply to what he's actually written, of course. Uh, so if he hears this podcast, David, I would actually urge you to be clearer in the way in which you express your points, because I'm only responding to the words that you write and nothing else. So perhaps the message is getting lost on your end somehow. Some food for you to ponder, if of course you ever actually listen to this. Bottom line with that discussion, do I feel that a government should be responsible for, uh, for healthcare? And I think the general answer is yes, because private companies will place profiteering and financial gain ahead of public health. They will do it all day long. You only need to look at the United States to see how people can really struggle due to some extortionate medical bills. Uh, I mean, the cost of giving birth is, is insane. You receive a bill at the end of it. Uh, for thousands upon thousands of dollars and that assumes that there have been no complications the bill that my wife and I received when my daughter was born it was zero we didn't pay out any extra uh, above and beyond whatever percentage of our taxes goes to hoarding NHS whereas in America you can be fleeced and then you can be fleeced again and again and again for every hospital visit every procedure every prescription all of it is staggering and at the end of the day that system it's no better than most of the of the public health care services out there anyway in a lot of cases it's actually worse than a lot of the public health care services and yes i feel that the governments have a duty of care to protect their citizens and that includes protecting public health if you don't do that, then you get situations like the COVID-19 pandemic, which kills a great many people because of government incompetence or mishandling of public health care services. So we've had a very, very clear demonstration of what happens when, when these things are not looked after, whereas a good, robust public health care service ultimately will help get the job done. So I think that, yes... Governments do have an obligation to protect people, and one of the ways they do that is through healthcare. Do they have to protect people through spending huge sums of money on nuclear weapons? No. That's not really a means of protecting people. Nuclear weapons do not protect people. There is no need for them. I mean, Boris Johnson's toy government wants to make more nuclear weapons. 
uh, and they already we already spend as a country a staggering it's like 6.2 billion pounds or something like that if not more goes into the uk nuclear arsenal every year what are those weapons for what will they achieve they will achieve nothing they they can't achieve anything that they're called weapons of mass destruction for a reason and if you have a choice between spending a fortune on those or here's an idea spending that money on another thing that i think uh, we as a society should do feeding the hungry we should feed the hungry that would be more of a christian thing to do if you ask me but david disagrees and well has ignored a lot of uh, scripture to arrive at that conclusion somehow nuclear weapons are more important than feeding the hungry make of that what you will anyway um, that discussion's on my website so i invite you to have a look at that and i will pop a link uh, to that particular discussion in this podcast anyway that's it for now uh, i have to prepare to do a couple of things so i will wish you all well i hope you all stay healthy you look after each other and that you that you love each other and one final thing one final thought at the beginning of this happy pride month to my uh, lgbtqa friends love to everyone